Today we're starting a brand new series. Um, we were going to call the series uh, Deadly because we were talking about the seven deadly sins. Uh, but we decided to call it Kill Joys because that's what sin does. It kills our joy. It kills our satisfaction. It kills uh, uh, joy in your marriage. It kills joy in your work. It kills joy in your friendships. It just kills joy. That's what sin does. Now, it promises to give joy, and it promises to enhance everything, but in fact, it does the exact opposite. Whenever uh, I wonder about my marriage, uh, God, what's wrong with my marriage? An appropriate response from God would probably be, you. <laughs> because I'm a sinner, and I'm in the marriage, and I sin. And what I want is for my selfish desires to be fulfilled. What I want is for my longings. But I'm not the only one like that, right? Yeah. Right? What's wrong? What's wrong with my life? Oh, that's easy. It's you. Right? What's, what's wrong at my job? There's a bunch of things, right? The boss is this and the co-workers are that. There's a bunch of things. But whenever we ask what's wrong with our lives, what's wrong with our work, what's wrong with our marriage, what's wrong with our world, the answer is sin. It's, it's what we struggle with. So we're devoting a bunch of weeks to this. A bunch of weeks to just simply asking God to give us insight into our sin and to help us to not only turn from sin, but turn to Him. Now, um, as we go on in this series, there's going to be a group of you um, that are here that are going to be like, yes. I struggle with this, and you're going to be, your heart's going to be broken. You're going to go, God, help me. And then there's going to be another group of you who go, yes, they struggle with this. Help them, God. You're going to think of uh, your spouse, how your spouse needs to hear this. You're going to think about how your friend, he should, you should have brought him and invited him. You're going to think of all of that, and I just want to tell you, this series is for the person sitting in your seat. It's for me. It's for me. I, my heart has been breaking this entire, as we've been, um, as I've been preparing for this introduction. It's just been breaking this week about my, the grievousness of my own sin. I need this. I am the biggest sinner in this room. And I need Jesus' grace more than I've ever needed it in my life. Hopefully, you'll come at this series with a desire for God to transform your heart, transform your life, to touch your heart in light of who Christ is and make you look more like Jesus rather than your culture or yourself. So we're going to talk about the seven deadly sins, but today we're, we're going to look at sin as a whole. And we're going to start at literally the first sin. It's an appropriate place to start when we're going to do a series on sin. And so, we're going to look at the very first sin that ever happened. It finds, it finds itself in Genesis chapter 3. It's not very long after the start of mankind, right? The, the Bible starts in Genesis 1. Our sin comes in in Genesis 3, right? It's crazy how easy we are to sin. And we're, going to try to, we're going to try to find out there's so much here. There's so much here that we could learn from. Hopefully, God will awaken our hearts to some truths and help us out. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 3, 
verses 1 through 9. Uh, we stand at the reading of God's word because God is, we recognize that God is wonderful and holy and good and deserves our full attention. So let's go ahead and uh, I'll read this to you. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat, the, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord call, God called to the man, where are you? This is God's word. The importance of this series is a lot, right? If you want to understand why you keep on relapsing, you want to come to this series and hear from God's word because it will explain to you why you keep on relapsing. If you want to find out why you keep on falling back into that same place, that same sin that you keep falling to, you know the one, the one that you swear you're never going to do again, and then a week, a day, a month, a year pass by, and then you do it again, that one. If you want to find out why you keep on going back to that one, this series is going to help you. It's going to help in your marriage. It's going to help in your work environment. It's going to help with your relationships. We want to find out why we sin. So let's look to this, because it's very profound. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say pause? When the serpent comes to the woman, he doesn't come outrightly contradicting God. He comes mocking or sneering or, or, um, or looking at, the, at what God had said in a, a sarcastic way. He goes, did God really say? He's not asking a question for clarification. He's, he's what he's doing is what, like, um, if you were young and your curfew 
was at uh, 8 o'clock at night, and you're like a 15-year-old, and you're with your other 15-year-old friends, and you go, yeah, I got to get home. It's 8 o'clock. And he goes, your parents really want you home by 8 o'clock? It's not a real question. They're, 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 they're saying something about your parents. It's a mocking. It's a sarcasm. You, really? He wants you to do that? Did God really say? Because the first thing that you find out when it comes to sin is that Satan will have you doubt. Will have you doubt. Will have you question the, he'll have you question the realness, the truthfulness, the beauty of who God is. It's very easy for you to argue someone down just by mocking them or making fun of them. If, all you have to do is just go to your first year of college and say you're a Christian in the philosophy class. Or say you're a Christian and you're um, in one of, to one of your professors. They go, Really? You believe the Bible? Really? Yeah. You take that seriously? Really? It's the first step in having you walk away from God and walk towards sin. Really? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Of course, he doesn't take what God says. What he does is he uh, twists it. God didn't say you mustn't eat from any tree. In fact, he, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get them to focus on the negative as opposed to the positive. No man who ever uh, uh, gets married to uh, the woman of his dreams, no man goes, oh man, this is tough. I'm going to have to say no to everybody else in order to say no to you. He goes, I am so fortunate that I get to have you. Because he focuses on the beauty and the loveliness of his wife. What Satan is trying to do is he's, he's trying to be like a bad friend. Dude, you really want to get married? You know, there's, come on, man, you got to soil your oats. You got to do you. You're a guy. You can't be faithful to just one chick. That's crazy. You see, what Satan is doing is he's trying to give a negative context. He's going, did God say don't eat from any tree? And then the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Satan tries to twist God's word, and then Eve follows Satan in the, because she gets part of it right. Yep, you're allowed to eat from all the trees. She doesn't quite say it that way. She says, oh, you can eat from the trees of the garden, but don't eat from this one, or don't even touch it, and you'll die. So she's adding to what God says. The woman said to the serpent, I'm reading verse 2 again, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, verse 3, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, but you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die. Satan literally contradicts God there. You will not certainly die. You see, what Satan is saying is that the consequence that you think is going to happen because of your sin, that's not really going to happen. It's not going to be that bad. It's, beloved, 
just one. It's just one. Just do one. One drink. One kiss. Just one time. Just go up to their apartment one time. Just, just one. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. If the first um, ploy from Satan is to mock God, to make it like he's being unreasonable, the second ploy, and this is the heart of sin, the second ploy is to make you doubt that God loves you. The second ploy, the, the, to all sin, the root of all sin is not believing that God loves you, that God has your best interests in mind. It's the very heart of why you and I go and do what we want to do. We don't believe that God will love us, that God will give us joy, that God will satisfy us. So we make God or we run from God. Now, there's two ways that we do this. I'm going to do this quickly because I don't want you to just think there's... We tend to think of sin as the person smoking crack on the corner, or the woman cheating on her husband, or we tend to think of sin as the person stealing from God, uh, stealing from, you know, and that, or lying. These are sins. We tend to think of sin as what we do with our hands. But sin is not what we do with our hands, it's a condition of our heart. It's a heart that says, God, does not love me. He doesn't have the, my best interest. Now, there are two major ways that that happens. One, and you've heard me do this before, one is lawless, oops, yeah, let's do that. Lawless, and the other one is being lawful. Here's what I mean by that. The lawless person says, I don't want anything to do with God. In essence, he says, I'm going to run from God. God doesn't love me, so I'm going to have to find pleasure on my own. And the only way to do that is to run from God. In fact, how many people come to New York? How many people come to New York and say, I can't wait to get to New York so I can get out of my silly town? so that I could finally do what I want to do. I mean, just about every kid that I know who's getting ready to go to college, just about every one of them wants to live in the dorm. Why do you want to live in the dorm? The reason I want to live in the dorm is because I want to get away from the rules that my mother has that I don't want to obey. I, now, this is madness. I'm going to pay an extra $60,000, $80,000 at the end of this four years, now on top of the education, because I want to be lawless. I want to go out. I want to do my own thing. I want to act my own way. I want to be as far from the law as I can. That's one way. And that's the major way that we even talk about sin, at, even at the Recovery House of Worship. But the other way is being lawful. If this way is saying, God, 
get away. This one is saying, God, you owe. The lawful one is the one who says, I'm going to do everything that God, God's word says. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to pray. I'm going to obey the scriptures. I'm going to do everything that God says. And God, take notice. Take notice of what I'm doing. Because if I live like this, then you owe me the healing for my body. You owe me the, a good marriage. You owe me. In fact, if you don't believe that, have you ever asked yourself, if you're in the lawful column, here's what you do. God, what, something bad happens in your life. The business you know, it was doing great before you were with Jesus, and now it's tanking. And you're like, God, what are you doing? I'm going to church now. What are you saying when you say that? You're saying, God, you owe me. The marriage, you come to, it was going bad, and you go, but God, now I'm going to church. Why is the marriage breaking apart? Why, 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 why? Because, listen, God, you owe. I'm going to put you in my debt. And listen to me. Sin. It's sin. At the heart of sin is not believing that God loves you. That you know a better way to satisfy yourself. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and they'll say, they'll say even things like this. You know, um, you know, I've been serving the Lord for 13 years, and um, my son died, you know, got a brain tumor and died. And he goes, but I'm telling you, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to worship him. And many times, many times that's done in a spirit that says, well, God didn't give me what I deserved, what he owed me, but I'm still going to follow him. You see, it's insane. I've never said, you've never heard um, someone say in a funeral, you know, my, uh, my son died from a brain tumor, but I'm not going to divorce my wife. Because the two have nothing to do with each other, right? Same thing. Leaving, why would you leave God if your son died? Oh, I get it. Or, or something like this. Uh, you know what? After all I've done, I served in the soup kitchen. I gave clothes to the naked. I, 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 I served at my church and gave to charity. And this is how you're going to treat me? You're here. You're a grievous sinner that desperately needs to fall at the feet of Jesus. You see, Satan's lies. Poor you. God doesn't love you. God doesn't have your best interest in mind. What God wants, he's a killjoy. God is the killjoy. If you're going to get joy, you're going to either have to run from God or twist his arm. But he's not going to give you what you want. Satan says it. 
You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, pause. This is an incredible... Every one of our sins fall right here. Here's how it falls. Do you see it? When the woman saw that the fruit was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, all sin falls into this category. Uh, the New Testament says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. Good for food, lust of the flesh, pleasing to the eyes, uh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, boastful pride of life. All sin falls in this category. She sees it, and she's, of course, negotiating with Satan, and then she says, this is good for food. In other words, this gives me what I need. This gives me what I need. It's pleasing to the eye. Look at how appealing this is. Look at how desirable this is. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. This will give me that thing that God won't give me. Okay, let's, let's, look, at, let's look at some uh, controversial uh, issues on how we practice sin, okay? So you're a single woman, you're getting a little bit older, you know, um, you feel like your biological clock is ticking, you meet, not necessarily Mr. Right, but Mr. Right now, and so you go, I know, and, and you've been coming around and you go, oh yeah, 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 sex is for married people only, I remember that, Pastor Edwin said that, that's great, um, sex is for married people, and by the way, sex is not for sexy people, it's not for old people, sex is not for young people, Sex is not for people who are experienced with sex, and sex is not for people who, uh, who haven't had it in a long time. <laughs> sex is not for people. Sex is, listen, listen to me. Sex is for married people only. One man, one woman. Now, I know when I say that, you hear Satan's hiss. As soon as I say that, you hear, really? you do. We all do. I get it. But just remember, it's Satan's hiss, and he wants nothing good for you. So, I'm a woman. I find this guy. He obviously wants to have sex. It's the third date, which is like the obligatory time to have sex. And so, and so you, you go, and you go, wait, 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 wait. He's good for marriage. And the act will please me. And maybe, and maybe, he'll walk down the aisle with me. He'll give me what I want. The thing that God hasn't given me thus far. Let's do it with work. We're at work. And there's an opportunity to um, get ahead. It's the promotion you've been looking for. It's the deal you've been looking to close. We go, wait, 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 look. Hey, man. It's good for my finances. I'm going to be able to provide for my family. That's good. And, and I'll be able to give more at church. 
Because Satan is demonic. It's good. Pleasing to the eye. And look at all these wonderful things I'll be able to get. And also desirable for getting all those things that I wanted. That God won't give me. Because you know, God doesn't love me. God doesn't have my best interest in mind. God just wants to kill my joy. She falls into that. She gets caught up in that. And look at what she does. She then does the inevitable. She took some and ate it. There was nothing else to do. Remember how we said sin starts in the heart? That's how it is. She believed the lie. She embraced it in her heart. And then she acted out with her hands. She took the fruit. She also gave some to her husband, who, by the way, was right there with her. Beloved, when sin comes into your life and mine, it comes in to manipulate what God has for you. It comes to deceive you. And it comes to promise everything that you think you want, but don't believe you can have without God. And then, and then it winds up leaving you absolutely relieved of everything you thought you would get. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay, so when sin happens, sin destroys everything. It kills everything. God wasn't lying. First thing it did is it killed the intimacy that they had. Now, they couldn't be vulnerable with one another. Do you know that when you sin, when I sin, what's the thing that you use to cover up your sin, to cover up your shame? I don't know. I don't know what it is. For some, for some of us, we go, we feel a great sense of shame, and so we're going to go, we say, I'm going to be successful at business. I'm going to make a ton of money because that's the leaf that I'm going to use to cover my shame. For some of us, guys, you're here and you think, I'm going to conquer woman after woman after woman because that's going to cover my shame. What do you use to cover your shame? What do you use to hide your desperate need for Jesus? They used what was next to them, the leaves. What do you use? I don't know. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. They heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from him, the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. This is the direct outcome. When we sin, we run from God. We run from God and try to cover ourselves from our shame. You hear this all the time. Have you ever invited a friend to come to a, a service? You go, hey, come to the church service. And they're like, man, 
I can't go to that church service. Why? Because you're kidding me? The building will fall down on me. Or they say, nah, man, I can't go to the church service. I want to get clean first. Or I want to get my life in order. Then I'll go. In other words, before I get with God, I, because of my sin, I have to hide myself from God. I see it all the time. All the time. Maybe you've experienced it as well. Where you've seen in your own heart, right after you sin, you go, I, I can't go to church now. I can't connect with the brothers and sisters. I can't get honest. And you start living a lie. And it's possible, by the way, not only to leave physically, but it's possible to leave relationally, emotionally, spiritually. It's possible to say, I I'm going to hide myself from everyone around me. So everybody asks, how you're doing? And you know how you're doing. Fine. Just fine. It's terrible to think that somebody has gone to church and attended or connected with the congregation today and tonight is going to go home and take a bottle of pills because they can't reveal how broken they are to the community. It's terrible to think that we hide from one another and we hide from God where we really are and we'd rather die than actually reveal ourselves. They hid from God. Can you think of the ways that you hide from God? I've met people who can't tell the truth. When I tell you that they can't tell the truth, they are incapable. You beg them. You're with them and you go, no, 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 bro. You're not an FBI agent. You're not going on espionage missions through, throughout, the, throughout the world. It's, it's not you. No, no, no. You're not a millionaire. You're not a millionaire just living so that, you know. No, no, no. Stop. Stop. But it's, oh, when I was out there, I, I ran the block. And I ran, no, no, you didn't. You ran. True. <laughs> but you didn't run anything. Beloved, that's the way we hide. We hide from each other. We hide from God. God, after this one, I'm going to get my life back in order. God, after this, listen, after this one, I'm going to do everything that you want. We hide from God. We, we hide from each other. We hide from God. But then there's the good news. And here it is. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I love that. And here's why. Because God is doing what we don't. In fact, listen to me. God does what we want. He runs after us when we don't deserve it. Now, you have to understand, God is not asking this question to gather information. God knows what's happened to them. God knows that they ran, they've run from him. He's trying to help them assess. In fact, this is a great verse to meditate on. John where are you? Sylvia, 
are you? George, where are you? Beloved, listen to me. God is pursuing us. And he's pursuing us because of his love for us. Don't run from him. Don't hide from him. He says, God, um, he says rather, where are you? Adam, where are you? Now, God pursues Adam. And even after Adam falls, and after, after Adam tries to blame shift, you know the rest of the story, right? Adam goes, you know, it's this chick you gave me. If you had, if you had not given me such a defective chick, we would not be in this position right now as he was adjusting his leaf. It's terrible. It's, and, then, and then the woman's no better, right? She's gone. You know that serpent you made? Woo! Did he cause troubles? Did you not know that was going to happen? She blames the serpent. And I'm sure that if you go to the serpent, he'll go, well, you made me. <laughs> it's just the way we do. We just blame shift, and, and it's terrible. Listen, I, even after man does all of that, God pursues him. And I need you to see this. There are two gardens. The gospel tells us of two gardens. There's, and in both gardens, there's a tree. Use your imagination. All right, this is dirt. In the first garden, God says, Obey me, and you will live. That's what he says in the first garden. Obey me, and you'll have life. In the second garden, God says to the well, in the first garden, God says to Adam, the man, the first Adam, obey me and you will live. In the, in the second garden, he says to the second Adam, obey me and I'm going to crush you. In the first garden, everything was perfect and they turned from God. In the second garden, everything was horrific. And Jesus obeyed. In the first garden, they were promised delight everywhere if they would just obey God. And in the second garden, Jesus was promised all the pain, all the sin, all the suffering in the world if he obeyed. And he did. In the end, here's what I want you to know. The heart of sin, I'm going to read it right off of my notes because I want you to get this. The heart of sin is putting ourselves where God belongs. That's the heart of sin. 
It's putting ourselves where God belongs. God is not going to satisfy me. I don't believe God. God doesn't love me. I better love me. I better satisfy me. I better fulfill me. Because God is not going to fulfill me. God is not going to give me what I want. This is the heart of sin. She's not giving me what I want. I'll go somewhere else and get it. No, no, no. That's called adultery. Don't do that. I don't care. I'm, God won't satisfy me. The heart of sin is putting ourselves where God belongs. But I want you to know, and I just need you to hear this. Hear this next line because it's, it's where we're going for the next seven weeks. The heart of sin is putting ourselves where God belongs, but the heart of salvation is God putting himself where we belong. The heart of salvation is God putting himself where we belong. Where do you belong? Where do we belong? On the cross. We belong being punished for our sin. We belong, we belong taking the penalty of what we've done. The heart of sin is us putting ourselves where God belongs. But the heart of salvation is God putting himself where we belong. You deserve punishment. We deserve penalty. We deserve to be um, given a the death penalty, a death sentence. We deserve that. And God says, and Adam, in the first garden, says, I'll trade places with you, God, and death happens for everyone. And in the second garden, Jesus says, I'll trade places with you, mankind. And life is given out to all who would receive. So we're going we're gonna to be, we're gonna be teasing this out. We're going to be learning more about this throughout um, these coming weeks as we study and uh, dig into the seven, command, uh, the seven deadly sins. But here's what I want you to do. We're going to have a lunch. Um, and in this lunch, I want you to discuss some things. You'll be sitting around tables. Here's some questions you discuss. So, what don't you believe God loves you about? In other words, where do you believe only you can get? If you gotta take it in your own, you gotta take it, you gotta take it in your own. Is it in your marriage? Where, where is it that you have to play the place, you have to put yourself in the place of God? Where is it? And if you say, listen to me, if you don't know, you, can, you cannot know, but don't think that you can say, oh, no, I don't do this at all. Of course you do. You just don't know where you do this. First question, where do you put yourself in the place of God? Second question, what leaves do you use? What's the thing that you cover yourself up with? Do you, how many times have I had a conversation with somebody where they confess some heinous thing, but at the end of it they go, well, at least I'm clean. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, I murdered that, you know, I, I, yeah, I murdered those, you know, 32 kids in that bus, but I didn't pick up. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there's a leaf. That's pretty obvious. 
That's a leaf. How, in other words, how do you protect yourself from God when you sin? Where do you find your righteousness that's outside of Jesus? What's your leaf? And I'm telling you, if you're five years old, you got one. If you're, if you're 100 years old, you got one. And then the last question. How can, and, and this is a question that you're going to ask in community. How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you as you pursue Jesus? How can I pray for you as you pursue Jesus? As we eat together, I want us to discuss this and, and rest and trust in God. Now, yeah, I hope to see you um, for the rest of this series. I think God is going to reveal to us some really profound things. But I do want to share with you, and this is, you can run to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you can run to Jesus right now. If your life has been going away from God, and I'm telling you, you could do that reading your Bible. If your life has been running away from God, you can run to Jesus. That's number one. Number two, if you find yourself struggling with sin and going back to that sin, here, listen, beloved. You can go to God and say, God, this is the truth. The truth about me is that I want her more than I want you. I want it more than I want you. I want that more than I want. You're not sufficient to make me happy. I can only be happy if I have that. Start praying honest prayers. Start confessing honest